0: What a Woman. Conversations with powerful women who share powerful stories. This podcast was created by me, your host, Caroline Lyons, and my friend and producer, Sarah Benner, two mums searching for inspiration. And we hope you'll be inspired too. that this series is sponsored by serenity spa in the rose hotel tralee and they are offering what a woman listeners 10 percent of the elemis biotech Glow plus facial treatments so book yours now and quote what a woman podcast to enjoy this exclusive offer well welcome to the podcast thank Grace you Alice. it's so good to have you with us so you are a sex and intimacy specialist, mm-hmm. also an author yes. of the book *Sex Educated*, mm-hmm. which I have to say, I mean, it's it's a, go- a beautiful book. The, the graphics are brilliant. It's it's kind of for teens, young adults, and perhaps parents and teachers. And you've kind of taken all the the knowledge that you've had as a sex educator, mm-hmm. all the questions you would have been asked, and put it into this this brilliant book. So I'd highly recommend that to anyone mm-hmm. listening with young people, or if if they're their parents themselves or yeah. teachers, I think it. It looks like, I just think it's very modern as well. So mm. I think it really appeal to that mm. age. Thank you. Um, so as I said, also a sex educator and mm-hmm. coach mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. An occupational therapist. So we've got lots of expertise here. Oh, today.
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, so I, I started uh, initially, my career was doing an undergrad in occupational therapy. So that's kind of where I started. And although I never practiced, it was a good kind of launching off point, you know, for thinking about... Just healthcare and health promotion and all of that. And then it was true. I did a master's in health promotion and that's how I accidentally found myself doing sex education work and just loved it. So, yeah, it just grew from there. Yeah, and yeah. actually, it's interesting because when we
0: spoke to, to f- for friends about um, the conversation today, a few, mm-hmm. the first initial reaction was, "Oh, and w- why do people go to sex therapists?" Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting because I think we're getting so much more comfortable with thinking, right? If we have mental health issues, we mm-hmm. can we go talk to someone. Yeah. But perhaps it's still not got to that point where we feel sex is important enough, mm-hmm. or that we can be open enough mm-hmm. to maybe go and seek help mm-hmm. if, if it's not where we want it to be. Um. So. From from your obviously your client base, why why are why do p- people come to see? You? What are the sort of main issues you see?
1: Yeah, a lot of issues come up, but there's definitely a few ones that I see kind of over and over again. And just like you said, you know, we've we've managed to normalize, I think, going to general counselling a Mm -hmm. bit. You know, it's definitely a bit more acceptable. But I think there's still that stigma around sex. And I suppose because it's such an intimate part of our lives and ourselves that people might feel that if they admit going to a sex coach or a therapist or an educator that you know, that there's something basically wrong with them or wrong with their relationship and that. Um, so we do, we do have a bit of work to do there and kind of just breaking down the stigma around it. But I suppose the issues I see, it's, it's mainly women that come to me. Um, that's probably because I am a woman, I imagine. Um, and also my branding is very pink and all these mm. colours. So it just kind of happens that way. Um, but couples, I work with couples as well. So the main things that come up is um, like pain during sex. So painful sex or so things like um, vaginismus, like conditions like that, um, or even maybe women going through perimenopause or menopause, that there's some some changes happening and they're experiencing discomfort or pain. Um, another thing that comes up is basically just women come to me and saying, look, I'm in a relationship and obviously there's people that come to me that are single and my partner is lovely and I have a great life and whatnot, but I've never really enjoyed sex to be honest you know I've had sex I haven't had any terrible experiences necessarily but I can't say I've enjoyed it and I don't know what I like so I don't know how to ask for what I like um, and then just kind of stuff around body image comes up as well and what what people call low libido or low desire now I don't even like that term that much because I, there, there's actually no statistic to say what is low and what is high so people come to me thinking, I I don't have a high enough sex drive, but actually it could be perfectly fine for them. They just feel they should have a higher sex yeah. drive. So basically, with couples, it, the main thing we see is maybe one partner um has a higher libido or wants essentially more sex than the other partner, mm-hmm. and it, it's causing some difficulties for them. Yeah,
0: and I suppose with a lot got a lot just in that. To, to yes, talk about, I know. But I suppose. <laughs> I suppose thinking about our listeners and the sort of the age yep. groups, they might have been in long term relationships mm-hmm. and perhaps in the position of of, mm. of some of the women that say, yeah, they, mm. they just haven't ever really enjoyed the sex. Mm. Um, um, I wonder, can, can you kind of get that attraction back um, and the spark?
1: Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think you can. And you know what? Often it's not actually even down to attraction because, again, a lot of people I work with are very attracted to their partners. They think their partners are you know, gorgeous, attractive, beautiful, whatever it is, but they just aren't feeling the desire to be sexual. So, I mean, if the attraction isn't there, I suppose that actually nearly is a a different conversation and that's looking at, you know, ways to reconnect Um, there's a brilliant brilliant book that I would recommend for anyone listening called um, mating in captivity Um, it's by Esther Perel you've heard of it I guess I'm smiling only because with my research for today I've come up across lots of Esther Perel to yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) so basically her book is brilliant in that it kind of goes into how do you keep desire alive or reignite it in a long-term relationship Um, and one thing she touches on that's coming to mind is even Trying to really remember that you and your partner as familiar as you can be with each other, you know, you can know each other years and feel like you have every you know, everything you could possibly know, but you don't. They're still a separate person. And it's important to have that space in your lives and and like culture your own sorry nourish. And cultivate, you know, your own hobbies and interests, your own sense of self, and for them to do the same. Um, that's one thing that she touches on. And yeah, and she also, which I think
0: people relate to, that you you can get perhaps you can call it a you can get so familiar yes. with a the partner that they're, they're over they're familiar, or, or, over or familiar. Or, they almost yeah. become like yeah. family or brother. Or yeah, you kind of get past, and that that's not point. sexy. <laughs> uh, definitely <Yeah>. not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it might be the, the the reality. And the other thing she she says um, which really stuck in my head was she said that for a lot of women, um, not ev- ev- women parents, but you you might have caretaking responsibilities. But in a yes. house, you might have a role as a caretaker, or, or just I am mother. Yeah. Like in this house, yeah, I can't. Yeah, yeah possibly start to feel sexy or think about what yeah. I desire b- yeah. because I'm in this role of caregiver and I've got all these responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So I suppose it's how women it's kind of put of their roles. to the side a lot, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, so it's what, pushed yeah.
1: down the list. Um, we,
2: but it's imagine? so important to, to a marriage. I yeah. mean,
1: mm-hmm. and even to uh, I, and maybe not to everyone, but I would argue most people's sexuality is important, whether it be even within your relationship or even just for yourself. You know, because I talk about this a lot that, you know, I think of it nearly as a Venn diagram. So, like, say there's me and then there's my partner and we're the two circles, right? And because, you, know, you know, we often talk about um my other half, you know, so as if it's a half meeting a half mm. and then you're whole. And like, it's lovely, it's romantic, whatnot. But I prefer the Venn diagram of, you know, this is me over here. My sexuality exists separate to my partner. Like if we broke up, my sexuality wouldn't just die it would still be there right so if I lived on a desert island it would still exist if that makes sense it's not wholly dependent on another person so I have kind of I suppose my own desires my own experiences all of that and he has his or she has hers whoever it is and then you know with the Venn diagram it's it's two people coming together and just creating something between them Um. so you know when you talk about kind of the roles and we can really It's a really tricky one as well with with women because we sometimes get pushed or we find ourselves just naturally taking up those caretaker roles and the nurturer. And that's all lovely, but it can be hard then to make space for the role of lover or sexual being. And you can feel desexualized yourself, you know, Um, you might feel that your partner now sees you as a mother rather than a lover. And you know, it, there's no, again, quick answer to all of this of how to balance those roles. But I think the first step is actually, again, identifying that and talking about it and realizing that you can be, say, a mother and still be sexual. And it's not selfish to put time into pleasure or, you know, sex, intimacy, date nights, all of that. It's not selfish at all. You know, it. It. It's such a part of our happiness and well-being that it's it's not only going to benefit you, it's going to benefit everyone in your life if you feel more fulfilled in that.
0: Yeah, that's so important. Yeah. So just yeah.
1: um, remind ourselves
0: of that message that it isn't selfish, we should prioritise mm-hmm. yes. it. And actually, probably getting out of the house, stepping yes. out of the yeah, 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 um, yeah. Feeling like your, yourselves. Yes, again, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. A hundred percent. not calling yeah. your husband dad, which I... <laughs> Oh God! Oh, i have
2: I actually
1: done? Yeah, I know. I know I'm time. sure. I know, yeah,
2: <laughs> I definitely do it. Don't Yeah,
1: yeah. Sometimes you know, I'll, I'll. A couple will kind of ask me about that. Their conversation has just gone to nothing. You know, it's how was your day, grand How was yours, good? And then they're talking about kids or chores mm. that need to be done. I'm like, we'll switch up the questions, you know, even and it, it could feel weird at first, but thinking like, um, what was the highlight of your week this week? Or what are you most looking forward to this month? What's something or what's something you're dreading this month that I can help you with? Or just switch up the questions instead of saying, how are you? How was your day? Any crack? Like, <laughs> yeah, any crack, any news? That's what I, I drive my. Par- when he goes out on a night out with like the lads, I annoy him so much. I'm like, come on, news, news. What were you talking about? They were talking about sport all night. I'm like, stop yeah. it. Yeah, you I ha- think there I- has to be news there's never that's one of, I found that a dead end like they go yeah. on a night out
0: and you just wonder did they talk at all like I know. Other, yeah. You know yeah yeah how's, it's how's, so how's funny the, how's the partner how's the kids or yeah. how's the you know the job oh no we didn't talk well, I about didn't that. ask we didn't yeah
1: know. um and just to mention there's a few apps that are really fun to help you with that uh one is called paired so like P A I or p-a-i-r-e-d yeah so paired up and it's just really fun in that it asks there's so many questions and quizzes and games it it can send you a prompt right so say it might send you a prompt of um what is what's the sexiest thing about your partner right and you have to answer but they can't see your answer until you've answered until you've both answered you can't see each other's answer does that make yeah, sense? I love yeah. the sound of that. Yeah. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, re-, you know, you actually yeah. learn well, reminds things. you. Yeah. And it just like, keeps yeah. it to the forefront rather than pushing it again down the list. So if you, if you really find you're struggling to have time to have date nights or have sex or whatever it is, maybe just start with something like that. That like even is just it's just keeping even a little bit of your mind on that part of your relationship and thinking about it, you know, so little little steps.
0: And but also what I'm thinking about is saying, you know, think ourselves as as just our own sexuality. Yeah. and I mean, we know we've we've grown up in a culture, particularly mm. in Ireland, as it's a conservative country. Mm. There's been a lot of shame around sexuality, and as one woman was saying, it was the air we breathed. Which mm. I thought this shame, mm. so it's just so pervasive. How could we try to step back out from that and mm. actually embrace our sexuality? Because, you know. I, you know, we're, ex- we're only we know what, yeah. what, what we like yes uh, and you know mm. how to get pleasure for mm-hmm. ourselves we're all mm-hmm. we're all very different that's the mm. other yeah, thing
1: yeah exactly yeah you know the first step in nearly all of my work is unlearning it's doing a lot of work around okay what messages did you receive growing up about sex that you might still be buying into without mm-hmm. realizing it and are they serving you are, are these messages helpful to you is there some stuff you want to get rid of? Um, another brilliant book, you've probably definitely come across that called Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. Um, that's probably the number one book I would recommend to everyone to read because I, I often get, you know, women coming to me saying, you know, I know that I deserve pleasure. I know I need to ask for what I want. I know I need to advocate for myself. But I just still feel so embarrassed. And they feel embarrassed about being embarrassed. It's this cycle. And it's, you know, when you talk about shame, we can actually it's like a double whammy we can feel shame for having shame if that makes sense yeah. so yeah. There, you're shamed for being sex positive you can't win on one side and then on the other side there's kind of a culture now as well where you're shamed if you're not sex positive or if you're does, does yeah. that make sense yeah. it's it's so yeah a lot of it is it look with dismantling the shame I think the first step is actually where did it come from and just start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, trying to talk about it a little bit more, either with someone like myself or friends. Um, trying to even, like, read those books. Listen to a few yeah. podcast episodes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, so say if you were giving advice, asking for a friend. Of course. <laughs> yes. Eh? But say for the average punter, kids in their 40s, mm-hmm. it's all about the children. Mm-hmm. And the last thing on the list yeah. is... Getting frisky. Yeah. yeah. What can we do? Yeah. What can they We're do? Not <laughs> yeah. obviously.
1: No, well, that, that comes up a lot. So the first thing I would say is, um, and I know it's kind of an infuriating answer, but there really is no one size fits all. There's no magic tip. Like having kids is so hard. Like I don't have kids. Um, I might have kids, I'm not sure, but I don't have them now. And I just look at all that parents juggle, and particularly mothers, because there is still, in some households, a lot of inequality when it comes to labor in the household while still being employed and there's a lot there um so one thing is you know you said it's it's down the list like you just have to move it up the list i know it sounds really harsh but there's you have to no one else is going to do that for you it's it's kind of advocating for yourself both you and your partner um You know, is there any time where someone could mind the kids? I know not everyone has childcare, right? So, again, this isn't a one-size-fits-all. Taking time just to to be together and not talk about the kids as well. Um, Because I know it's really tender. I have dogs and all we talk, we go out to dinner, (laughs) we talk about the dogs. So, I can only imagine what it's like with kids. It's probably way more, you know, chatting about about them all the time. Um, Because with, especially with um, long-term relationships, What we learn about when it comes to sex, like the blueprint, again, in the media, it's totally different from reality. It's all spontaneous. It's all organic. It's all just like it all happens naturally. And, you know, say I I just get in the mood and I make eyes at my partner and we're having sex. Like that's what happens in films, right? That's fine if that happens. But for most people, that spontaneous desire isn't actually sustainable. And there is something called responsive desire that a lot more of us fit into. And responsive desire means that rather than desire coming first, so essentially getting horny, getting turned on and then, you know, going and having sex, it's actually the pleasure that comes first. Right. So. Um, doing something with your partner, doing something intimate, even getting into bed with each other, getting into bed naked, um, even just the physical act of that causes a bit of a change of chemicals and hormones in our body um, or having a kiss, having a cuddle and letting desire build from there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So with the, with the spontaneous desire, the mistake people make is they kind of just wait around for it to happen. Right, so if there's been a a dry spell, as we say, they're kind of just waiting around for the urge to hit them. I'm like, don't wait around, create it, like make space for it, and it's so much more likely to happen then. And is
0: it a case of scheduling it? And I know Mm because I have read that actually some of the most successful sex lives that it's scheduled. It is. I think it was actually as Supra was saying. You know, we don't never want to go to the gym, but we never regret it afterwards. Well, that's So we plan that in. So you'd almost yeah plan it in one. When you might, you know, certain. <laughs> Once a year. i <laughs> joking. Yeah. Just Christmas not, time. Just not just for birthdays. That's yeah, don't make that I mistake. know.
1: Um, no, look, I'm all for it. And even the word schedule can cause a <laughs> resistance in people. If you're absolutely allergic to word scheduling, yeah. you can say prioritizing. You can say we're carving out time for it. You can say we're dedicating time to it. Um, call it what you want. It is what it is. When you're single, you still schedule sex. Like, when you think about it, if you're going on a date or you're going on a night out and you're hoping that sex might happen, you're getting ready Mm. for it. You might be shaving the legs, like changing the bed sheets. That's so true. The anticipation is there. So why then do we have this really different expectation for long term Mm. relationships? So there is absolutely no shame in scheduling it. And I always say again, it doesn't have to be at night. Like, just... It doesn't always have to be at night when you're wrecked from the day and you've put so much energy into the day, the morning, maybe it's uh, some afternoon at the weekend, like being a bit creative about it rather than thinking if we have a date night now, we have to have sex at the end of it. I'm wrecked. Like if I go out for dinner, the last thing I want to do, honestly, is have sex after it. I'm full. I'm bloated. I'm tired. Had a great night, but have sex before you go out for dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, or even perhaps it doesn't have to be sex.
2: It en- doesn't
0: penetrative sex. You take Absolutely that emphasis not. from that, and maybe a it's, it's even if you just you have a nice meal and you're holding hands and you start to yes. connect again. Yeah, it's and that's intimacy. Yeah. And that's a. <laughs> and I'm, laughing
1: so and so. I'm laughing.
0: <laughs> I, I have I line. have
1: talked to a lot of friends in yeah. preparation for Good. this Good. <laughs> Sometimes when we actually overfocus on sex. We compound the problem, we make it even into a bigger deal and that turns us off having it. So if that's happening for you, I would say focus on intimacy, focus on connection um, and even pleasure. I actually love um, giving couples sex bans and they're like, why are you banning us from having sex when we're not having any sex? Like, well, that's that's the whole idea. Take it off the table, like penetrative sex, let's say. Take it off the table. It's not happening for a month. And then just lean into kissing again with no expectation that it has to lead to sex because especially women, when they have that low desire and they've built up this idea in their head, um, not this idea, sorry, this kind of this challenge they're having with desire, they start avoiding even kissing because they're afraid of giving their partner like the wrong idea Mm -hmm. and getting them excited. So if you take sex away temporarily it gives you freedom to actually reconnect physically in a way that just feels good because it feels good, not because it's leading to something.
0: And is it also true that, you know, if you eventually actually do, perhaps do get the sex to be a bit more regular, that sex mm-hmm. begets sex, that actually the more you, you, mm. you have, actually the
1: more you start to want? If it's good sex, yes. Yeah. So I always say, um, and I think a lot of the research is like, does back this up is is trying to focus on the quality of sex rather than how much you're having it um how much we're having it it's such a we really really get hung up on that mm. you know i I have, I have couples come to me saying oh you know we really should be having sex three times a week i'm like says who who's who says you should be genuinely and they don't have an answer they just have absorbed that from somewhere um what's if you have sex three times a month and it's fantastic and you feel fulfilled after that what's wrong with yes. that mm-hmm. you know but no one wants to admit that they're because again it's just this false messaging that that's a weakness in the relationship if you're not having loads of sex like i've met couples having loads of sex but doesn't mean they're in a great strong place at all you know and so quality quality over quantity <laughs>
2: tips for making it quality like in
1: communication is absolutely number one and like even that one word involves so much so you know again i i meet women who like they want sex to be better but they're just not sure what they like so they don't know what to ask for um yeah if we're not even Allowing enough time for arousal, for foreplay, again, if we're actually enjoying the sexual acts that are happening. um Sometimes we're not even giving our body a chance, even to um, get wet, get lubricated. And sometimes you can be really turned on, really excited, and it's just not happening that day. Um, that's yeah. arousal non concordance. So the rate of the body getting turned on and the brain getting turned on at the same time. Um, for men, I think it's 50% of the time it lines up, right? So, for example, they might get an erection when they're not turned on. Like they could rub up against something and the penis could get hard, but they're not turned on. Um, or vice versa, they could be really turned on and struggle to get hard. Um, But it lines up 50% of the time. But apparently in women, it's 10% of the time right okay. so that's a big well, we always get the raw deal don't we god but <laughs> well, you wonder how much of that is actually again due to the way we have yeah. sex are we are we thinking about women's bodies and how they work a bit more like an oven than a microwave as we say there's yeah. you know because it needs much more they stimulation need a bit beforehand bit more and eat, yeah yeah so warming up.
0: and just yeah. on that because this did make me smile I was listening to lots of sex podcasts Preparing, and you know we—they were just loving talking. it. I was actually. <laughs> so they're my, they're <laughs> are my new top picks. <laughs> Yay. Um, but they were talking about um, how it is important to remember that women, we do need that lots of simulation and and that beforehand to to, to really warm us up and get mm-hmm. us into mm-hmm. it. And she she was saying about oh if if you've if you've got you know if you have a one lick wonder or a fly by finger and oh my god I <laughs> love that just, I, just, I, I love, love that I just
2: love that you yeah,
1: know <laughs> I know one yeah, lick wonder even, yeah um but you know it's true because again um the the sex we see and would have probably seen growing up in film it is very penetration focused it's very vague and it's it's just all happening under the covers she gets turned on straight away yeah, yeah and she's orgasming then of course really quickly from again just penetration from from what we can see um whereas again if we have that good sex education and just teach people that look that's fine for like fantasy and whatever um but it's not going to happen that way for a lot of people. You need, you know, the clitoris. Hello, like the clitoris is f- so important. And um, the sex book I was given—not well, a sex book. It was called Girl Talk. I don't know. Did, did you ever see it? It's um, my mom gave it to me when I was maybe twelve. I think I, I um, yeah. That
2: as well when I was that age. I read
1: through it recently. The clitoris is not mentioned once. Like not a singular time is it mentioned? Oh gosh. And when you think of how. Integral, the clitoris is to pleasure. Like, it's 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 where, as I said, you know about um what I say about seventy to eighty percent of women need the clitoris stimulated to have an mm-hmm. orgasm. It greatly helps with that all that arousal um, process. So, to think we didn't even have the word for it, we didn't know where it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's about do. like 12 or fourteen
0: thousand nerve endings oh I was loads it. I mean, of them on like the head
1: of the yeah yeah
0: because yeah. that's where it's important again, the communication to be able to say what you like and or even yes. to show or yeah. do it at, during show. sex yeah the, not yeah, to feel yeah. embarrassed that you you need yeah. to do that to,
1: to have you know absolutely because it's um it is our job to teach others how to please us like we can't expect partners to just know what to do Are you so we need to we need <laughs>
0: you were staring at me I
1: was like did that hit a nerve um, I felt it she was trying to say like you should be listening to this sorry I love it Um, but yeah so it's going back to even um, yeah that like while we do need to expect from our partners for them to care about our pleasure to listen to be good communicators be enthusiastic they still need you know Um, just like we do like they need to know okay what do you like because what their ex liked could be completely different they might have liked being touched somewhere that you hate being touched or vice versa and if you have some knowledge through masturbation or through past sexual experiences you can even just like take their hand like put your hand over their hand guide it to where you like show them the pressure you like Um, the more feedback the better like that's how that's how you learn how to please each other so otherwise it's kind of like Stumbling in the dark, like it's, and then you're both there, like, how do I communicate that this isn't great and I don't want them to get defensive or get their feelings hurt? And we're all way too like caught up in our own egos and rejection and all of that. Whereas we need to just be like, you know, a bit more practical about it, a bit more like, okay, I love how you do this, but you know what, I'd really like if you did this, you know? So it's not like, oh, you're really bad at this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it's delivering feedback in a in a kind constructor constructive way yes
0: yes yes i'm not going to look at sarah when i say this yes. but and toys as well sex yes. toys you could introduce them not you could yes. you know use it with a partner that yes. they wouldn't feel threatened by it
1: 100 percent. and i think um you know I, I, there's mixed feelings around sex toys i think um some men might feel a bit intimidated and to that i just i understand where that comes from but again that's just buying into kind of old ideas of the man you know you should be enough your penis should be enough just to please every mm. woman and like it's not that you're not enough like it doesn't have to be that it's enough do you really want to just be enough like why not add other things that add to the experience um it, you know anything that creates more pleasure for either partner is surely a good thing and um, sex toys don't replace sexual partners that's the thing i really want to like because people have this thing about You know, um, I even see sex toys being marketed as, you know, boyfriend replacement kits. And I'm not, I don't actually like it. I don't think it's very sex positive. I know it probably sells and it's catchy. But like, imagine if it was the other way around. Like, imagine if fleshlights were being sold as girlfriend replacement. No, they probably are actually. But You know, (laughs) if in in a more mainstream way, we'd be like, excuse me? Like, we're not just a vagina. Mm. A man isn't just a penis. So, um... I'm very pro-sex toy and I think, um, again, anything that helps you get more relaxed, get more pleasure, have more fun, experiment, be curious, um, go for it. Go for it. No shame in it. Um, We put up a post. Obviously, we're meeting you
2: and Mm -hmm. um, this um, lady contacted us and said that she was sexually assaulted when she was 14 Mm -hmm. and she's been in a long term relationship. She's in her 40s now she's in a long-term relationship and it's massively affected her her experiences Mm -hmm. and um how like she she just was asking like what what, would you suggest how would Mm
1: -hmm. would she so again like my background isn't in psychotherapy so I'm really careful about how I talk about these you know issues because you know I just never want to give information that is is not um like appropriate so I would say the first thing is talking to a psychotherapist so even you know uh, there are services like the rape crisis center that will help you no matter what you've been through whether it be sexual harassment or sexual assault no matter how long ago it was like they don't discriminate that at all and it's never too late to do some psychological mm-hmm. work because trauma like grief it has no timeline like it can it can come up in the strangest of ways years after i don't mm-hmm. mean strange sorry but unexpected ways mm-hmm. and then with if it's, you know, if 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 it's that kind of tension and tightness in the vagina, I assume she's like kind of yeah, vaginismus.
2: Yeah, she finds it hard to relax, I think is what.
1: Of course. Like. Yeah. And I had vaginismus for years um, and there there's different treatments for it. And just to kind of normalise, first of all, that. You know, when we think of even erectile dysfunction, right, we think of um, a man or a person not being able to, the, the penis not being able to get hard, even though they want to. They want to have sex. Penis is not getting hard. It's kind of like your body is doing the opposite of what you want to do. And it's frustrating. But there's loads of treatments for erectile dysfunction. You can get Viagra, I think, over the counter now. Whereas vaginismus, there's still so little research. There is still not enough. Treatment isn't funded enough. But there is treatment and first thing is just to say that you know it's your body's way of protecting you even if it's frustrating like when we think of penetration and allowing someone inside our body it's so like it's natural but it's so um intimate it's very vulnerable isn't it Mm -hmm. like it's you know even when you think of getting um a smear test or um you know if you've had children i'm sure you've had all kinds of (laughs) invasive things it is invasive you know it's Mm -hmm. not enjoyable Mm -hmm. in the medical setting and um so, yeah, it's it's just the body's way of kind of shutting down and being like, no, we're not letting anyone yeah. in. We, we want to protect ourselves. So what you can do is you can you can absolutely go for psychotherapy. Um, a pelvic floor physio is brilliant for handling the more physical side of things so they can teach. You know, when we learn about Kegels and pelvic floor exercises, apparently a lot of us are doing them wrong um Aoife Harvey is an amazing pelvic floor physio um and she actually speaks at the Viva La Volva events which we'll touch on before we finish um but you know if you go to the gym and she explains if you were doing a bicep curl so you'd you'd, you'd lift your weight and you tense but then you release again mm-hmm. so there has to be a tension but there has to be a release with the pelvic floor exercises or even with the tightening we're tightening but we're not releasing properly So a pelvic floor physio can actually teach you how to release properly, how to train those muscles, how to do the breath work and all of that. Um, And, you know, there's different even um, they're called dilators you can use as well and slide the vagina and you can do kind of a dilation uh, technique or certain sex toys that can help with increasing comfort with penetration Mm -hmm. as well. There's loads. There is loads of help. There is Uh,
0: that. Well, I think that's great to hear, but just to give women hope that if they have been through something traumatic yes, that, yeah. that they can with the right help get through yeah. that and enjoy their sex life yes, again because yes, yeah. that's really what because i'd important. say a
2: lot of women as well if they've been through a really bad labor yeah
1: oh yeah yeah you yeah, know yeah.
2: and it's pretty common i'd say that, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. then it's, it's similar to that tension and yeah. the body doesn't want mm. to be interfered mm. you know kind of of
1: course it doesn't and like even you know, when I do talk about my experience with vaginismus, it came from several, like, you know, several things contributed to it, in in my opinion. For our listeners who yeah. don't
2: know what that is, could you explain it? Vaginismus? Yeah.
1: Vaginismus, yeah. yeah. So it's a condition where the muscles in the vagina um, basically tense up. Um, it, it's kind of involuntary. So you want them to be relaxed, but they're tensing up. And no more than, you know, when we're when we when we're stressed about something, I it's my neck and shoulders. Do you ever feel just a tension? Like, God, I need to like stretch out my neck, whatever. Um, there's muscles in the vagina, just like there's muscles all over the body and they can tense. And what happens then is, putting something inside the vagina from a tampon to a penis. It it depends on each person and what's happening, but um, it could either be really painful or just impossible. Like it was impossible for me for a long time. It was just like, you know, the shop doors were shut. It was just like a brick wall. People often describe it as like hitting a brick wall. Um, And how did you know
2: that you had that?
1: Oh, well, it took ages to figure it out because like, There was a bit, there there was a little bit about it online, but not a lot. And it was, it said that, I'll never forget, it said that one in a thousand women had it, which to me felt like no one. And now the statistic is closer. They're estimating one in 10 women at some point will experience some form of vaginismus um, or that, those kind of issues. Mm. So there was very little information. Like a doctor Googled it in front of me, like when I was a teenager, like there was, it was just, it was quite grim um but i you know i i had it for years but i was lucky enough in that i went and i got um botox treatment i had to go to the states for it like it was a big deal and it's still not i think it's offered in some places in ireland but it's not like commonplace yet yeah because it was seen as a cosmetic procedure and there's nothing cosmetic about it you know um So I had to go to the States and thankfully it was very successful. Like it's what I needed because I had severe vaginismus. Not everyone is going to need Botox. Like that's kind of a last resort.
0: Well, if you realise it sooner.
1: Yeah, you can get... Then you can address it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah.
0: Just actually thinking about the listeners and some perimenopausal women Mm -hmm. going through Mm -hmm. that again, I wonder if we, we... it's great we're talking about it more, but we got so obsessed with it and all the symptoms we're gonna get and the, yeah. fact the hot flushes, mm-hmm. the sleeplessness, the facial hair, like everything mm-hmm. that would put us yeah. off sex. Obviously the the you know, dry vagina and everything. Yeah. That we almost would talk ourselves out of sex before yeah. we've even maybe yeah, even lost yeah, the sex yeah. drive.
1: Yeah. So do you think that's yeah. an issue? It could be. It absolutely could be because I have a lot of women coming to me that say that they're so happy people are talking about menopause now and perimenopause and um, you know I I think like it's kind of like even with I suppose if, if I empathize with that on the side of even having children like it's actually the stories from women of childbirth that genuinely make me second get like really think I don't think I can handle that from the trauma I've been through but they should be allowed to be real and tell their stories and say it was really tough or it was really awful but also there should be a balance then to kind of fill in those gaps also of saying, yes, but there is help now. Here's where you can find it. Like menopause, you know, I know Laura Dowling and Eva Harvey talk loads about um, vaginal oestrogen, mm-hmm. uh, which is really effective. Um, you know, even using lubricant, like good quality lubricants, um, there's different, there's HRT, there's supplements. I'm not saying that's going to like make menopause easy, but I think preparing women beforehand but not scaring them there's a balance yeah. isn't yeah. there but i think you know? like you
0: say, it's important because i i was reading that um yeah around 70 percent of women w- will experience perhaps discomfort or dry in dryness yeah. um, mm. in their vagina but they about only seven percent actually might get the, this that specific treatment like you said okay that, yeah, so yeah. it just shows it's it, you, it is worth you know if you if, anticipating or realizing when' symptoms mm-hmm. and actually doing, so, mm. doing something about it
1: yeah no definitely um, yeah that like even normalizing um using lube like that's the thing like I don't know is it a generational thing or what a lot of I feel like a lot of women my age use it and it's very normalized now I could be in a bubble because i I'm, I'm a you know I am a sex, sexuality professional so I suppose a lot of my friends would be quite open-minded quite liberal whatever way you want to put it. So maybe I am in a bubble, but I, I do think it's more normalized now Um, because, you know, I meet women and they're only starting to use lubricants literally as they're going through menopause. And I'm like and then they're working through a bit of stigma around that. And I'm like, God, I've been using it since I was 18. So I feel like by the time that rolls around, it'll just be I'll have been using it. It won't yeah. feel as big of a deal. So
2: at yeah. what age does a woman want sex the most? you oh find? Um, I
0: suppose this is, again, maybe we're falling into that trap of just needing to generalise. It's
1: so open-ended. Is
2: it like, in the 20s?
1: That they want sex the yeah. most? If, okay, so I think what could be happening if is if people find it is in the 20s, I don't think it's necessarily just about age. I think it's about, look at the factors around it. Like in your 20s, you're less likely to have children, probably. I know people have children in their 20s, but... I think statistically women are having them in their 30s onwards, generally in Ireland, even, Um, you know, you mightn't have a mortgage. You mightn't even be living with a partner like your relationships and your life and your responsibilities and your schedule Mm -hmm. looks probably a bit different in your 20s than, say, your 30s, 40s onwards. I'm being very stereotypical, but I think that's where a lot of it comes from. It's not necessarily that, like, just physically we want more sex because I I believe that, like... um, think a woman's sexual prime i heard this before now don't quote me on this because i'm really not sure about this some of this can be debunked as well some things we believe to be true aren't but is actually oh like it's 30s and and early 30s i believe but that could be wrong that could be wrong so i'm afraid to put that in it's something to think about again you know what you said of buying into these stereotypes maybe um because
0: you'd often hear that sometimes women post-menopause suddenly come into this you know they yeah, have I've this heard renewed, this. Yeah, this, they, they, they feel yeah. the second spring. So Absolutely. I don't think ever to, and again, not to worry about whether, whether you know feel shame about that or, or about you know I, embrace it.
1: Yes, I work with women in their twenties who have as they would describe, zero interest in sex. And I work with women who are in their 40s, 50s, who are having very active, very kinky, very out-there mm-hmm. sex lives. So,
0: And that makes sense because you've, you've got that experience. You're more, more confident. confident in
1: yourself. And you might have yeah. less responsibilities. Yeah, exactly. Really it, it depends, it. I think, a lot on your circumstances. I really do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the, yeah
0: the other thing that's um you know we, we've talked a lot about things good for health and, and rest and mm-hmm. supplements and but orgasms are
1: good yes for our health, right and yes. for sleep yes so yeah that's absolutely a hundred, orgasms are great loads of health benefits and even i would say because i'm conscious you know that a lot of women i work with um have not had orgasms yet or struggle to even just pleasure like making time for pleasure um be it sexual pleasure which is is it is so important there's so many benefits um but even just pleasure in general in our lives I think as well like what I would call sensual pleasure so when I often when I ask women you know where do you get pleasure in your life like what are your sources of pleasure they might say um oh well I enjoy going to the gym and I like going to the movies and I like reading I'm like fantastic that they are great things but that's more that's enjoying something rather than getting like a sensual pleasure. Does that make Mm. sense? So uh, I'm trying to think, you know, even the very stereotypical example though of of having a bath, you know, actually in the bath, right? And I I'm a terror, I always have to be listening to a podcast or reading a book. And look, all of a lot of us can relate. But even just saying, okay, I can read I can read my book in a minute, but just for five minutes, I'm just gonna be and I'm just gonna feel the water on me and I'm gonna check into my body. I'm gonna feel how lovely it feels and the house is quiet, maybe, or, you know, just the senses, like really connecting to the senses and getting pleasure, Um, again, from food, from, you know, how often do we just wolf down our food because we're in a rush and we don't, actually get the pleasure then from it because eating is very pleasurable like it really is mm. um a massage so, yeah. and things and massage. again they, they might be
0: things that with a partner that could help reignite yeah. something yeah
1: you know? yeah yeah i have a few um games and again they're not really kinky spicy games or anything but like um games around communication and pleasure and touch that i um i'm thinking about a suggest. game i was playing
2: last night jenga jenga covered
1: <laughs> not quite um good for a bit of fun though um that's actually you've reminded one me
2: piece <laughs> of clothes you have to be very careful you with your hands so that's one
1: thing maybe <laughs> twister <laughs> twister um no but you reminded me of something actually um you need to make time for fun in your relationship and and playful fun as well not just um you know again going to the cinema or going out for dinner is wonderful like that's great but actually like embodied fun so whether it be playing a game a twister or going ice skating or going you know just something that's like physical fun because that has loads of health benefits and that's great for um bonding as well and um, doing new activities together is great for couples doing something like that kind of novelty um can strengthen that connection as well so because especially again when you have kids when we've responsibilities and we've mortgages and we've this and that you know as adults we learn to play and have fun less and less we just like with mm-hmm. the list we move it down the list If you're
0: thinking of changing your car, then check out Kerry Motorworks, one of Munster's largest dealerships selling used and new vehicles, at www.kerrymotorworks.ie. And thank you to Kerry Motorworks for sponsoring the podcast. Do
2: you think a marriage can survive without sex?
1: Without any sex at all? Um, Basically, if both people are okay with that, but... I think sooner or later, what generally tends to happen is one person kind of realizes actually life is short and this is an important part to myself and I don't want to not have sex mm. for the rest of my life. And look, I would say if you are in a marriage that that there hasn't been sex for a long time, it's not that there won't be again. I would definitely try things like your couples counselling and, and whatnot. But if it gets to the point where You know, either neither of you just want to kind of do it anymore, essentially. I know that sounds really harsh, but like neither of you just don't want to put in the work anymore. You feel like the relationship is on its course or again, maybe one person just feels that like. Because it's often it can often be one person that's pushing the counseling and really trying and the other person is just like really resisting it and kind of head in the sand a little bit. And that's somehow that's sometimes how relationships end is that Mm -hmm. you can only give so much you know, it does take work from both people. I, I do feel if both people are willing to put in the work, a lot of the time you absolutely can create a better sex life for yourselves. But
2: What about, like, I suppose for a lot of um, marriages, people are living, not living, but sleeping in separate rooms. Mm, mm. And then, like, what, what do you think of that? I mean, i say it's quite common, is it? It's I mean, very common.
1: I'm all for sleeping in separate rooms. I really am. Yeah. No, as in I'm all for it if that's what you want to yeah. do. like I'm not for like everyone should do it absolutely Mm. not it it, it, and and because there's a lot of benefits from like cuddling and like you know all of that as well the closeness but um also what what research is showing is that like people need sleep and if your partner is disrupting your sleep which is again it's it's natural like people snore people have sleep apnea um some people are really sensitive to sounds or like they're light sleepers if you're better rested um your relationship is going to be better so i think if if that's something that's affecting you try it out again not everyone has a spare room i'm saying you know it's Mm. each their own if you have space to try and sleep separately and then like have intentional sleepovers and it feels more intentional then because it's not just part of the routine of getting in and out of bed every day it's actually that kind of um Again, in, intentional um, action of saying, will we sleep together tonight or will we watch a movie in bed tonight? And it can actually really um, add just that feeling. of excitement. Hmm. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah, because my husband does this clasping thing when he goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. It's not a snore, it's like a clasp. <laughs> but for some reason, I put myself through it every night. Because yeah. I think, you know, the, t- we do have a spare room, but I, I feel if I kicked that off, then that would become the norm.
1: That Yeah, and that's understandable. And like, I think, I mean, the key there really is just uh, keeping the lines of communication open around it and, and ke- like reflecting on it as in, is this working? Is this not working? Can we try something else? And then if you try something else, like say if you did try sleeping in the separate room, like after a week or two, have a chat about, you know, how do you feel about it? How do I feel about it? I, I think it's all about really just keeping that 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 line of communication open um i see what you mean by you know if if it if it did end up becoming the norm Mm. it might affect some people's intimacy like but a lot of couples i know sleep separately and they're there's they're brilliant couples like they're very very happy they have they still have sex because maybe they don't have sex at night maybe they are more morning people or at different times you know some people just like to fall into bed and go straight to sleep and that's their routine and that's what they need or they like that space where they can just read or whatever it is so i suppose
2: it's a bit of each to their own i
1: think i think it's a bit of um i definitely stigma around it and i think there's that assumption that if a couple is sleeping separately and people say they're sleeping separately they have separate rooms and it's this thing and straight away that wouldn't be alarm bells to me the alarm bells to me would be they're sleeping separately and one of them's not happy about it or they're not having sex anymore or you know they're not happy in their relationship they're not feeling close um you know it's it's not just the sleeping separately that's the issue it's the bigger picture
0: can i just ask i, I mentioned earlier about about the menopause and we have this sense that that women their, their libido might drop off a mm. bit because of that in, mm. in, in, in midlife but mm. what about if there's men listening or women mm-hmm. partners where they perhaps their sort of level of libido yeah. or lust has dropped off I yeah mean, you know what advice might you have for them
1: yeah, and it does. And I believe testosterone, you know, levels change as, as you get older as well. And that can affect things. Um, Number one, you know, don't be afraid to go to a good GP. Uh, if you're not getting anywhere with your GP, try another one. Like, don't be disheartened. You know, always get a second opinion if you're not happy, um, because there might be again, th- that wouldn't really be my area. But I, I imagine this testosterone or there's different things people can try on a medical side of just helping with that um but also you know i think the same things would often apply to men of that age of you know making sure again you have that you feel kind of quite fulfilled as your own person as well that you have those hobbies you've those social outlets you feel good in yourself and confident in yourself um not just of how you can perform during sex or um you know because there's pressure on men as well yeah. to be these kind of like always wanting sex, they a lot of them don't. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then when, when men come to me and when they're the person with lower desire, the shame, the yeah. shame that you, men feel, just sort of,
2: and it must be very hard for a woman then because you automatically think, Sure, he'd be mad for it,
1: yeah. yeah so, what's, wrong with, what's wrong with me, yeah, yeah.
2: It must be a hard blow to take
1: yeah and again, it's that unlearning. it's that guys we need to like dial it right back and because you know, we're so used to that chasing dynamic that men are the pursuers and the the chasers of of sex and women uh kind of wait around to be to be chased, and then we might give it up or we might not, and there's all this language you know, around you know, anyway, I won't even get into all that, but um, you know it's it's absolutely not that simple at all, and when we tie ourselves to these strict gender roles that's again a breeding ground for shame because we're automatically thinking well i'm a woman who wants loads of sex or i'm a man who doesn't want that much sex i'm broken i'm flawed i'm too much i'm not enough um so just even i think from the psychological side of it just try and really realize that like you're not alone in that and that it's totally okay if if you just go through a period where you want less sex we don't have to keep it at the same level for our whole life it's impossible and just thinking of those roles I mean a, f- a friend was saying to us
0: all well obviously women we tend to like more we need um more cuddles and mm. um I suppose romancing and men come. you know men just they just want to get on with mm. it and I th- maybe we're wrong to think that you know mm. are, we, are we wrong why wouldn't mm. maybe some you know why men need just yeah. some um cuddles and yeah. comfort and yeah
1: Oh I totally agree. I again I think that's a bit of a stereotype and while it might be true for many, it's absolutely not true for all and again it, a lot of people ask me about that actually they kind of say, you know, women need uh, more um, ceremony was what one person said like kind of flowers and uh, dinner and the this and the that. And I'm like, okay, yes some women might, but actually some women mightn't want that. They um might even find that off putting it totally depends and again there's no shame in that and that kind of rom-com culture again where again it's the women are so passive in these films they're just kind of waiting waiting. for a man to come along and make them believe in love and then they're allowed to be sexual with that man right so it's it's just there's really unhelpful i think narratives there so it's really about figuring out what works for you and your partner. And it is I, I see it very regularly that the roles you would assume are totally reversed. So maybe again, it's it's the man in a heterosexual relationship that has lower desire or it's the man that um, needs more of a build up of a warm up rather than just be like, OK, now it's time to perform
0: you know it's interesting yeah yeah
1: it's it's kind of dehumanizing Mm. to men i think actually and as women i know we don't like to be objectified and and dehumanized and seen as just a body right so you know men don't want to be seen that way either that they're just Mm. there and they can just perform and get erect and let's go i think we just
2: automatically think yeah that's just the
1: way men are yeah yeah but, uh, I mean, a fair few men <laughs> fall into that category. I'm not going to lie, you know, but it's it's certainly not across the board. Like, mm. it's it's really not. Um,
0: and yeah. just thinking of the listeners that perhaps mm-hmm. may have been in um, relationships, they could be separated now, or divorced, they're back on the dating scene. Mm. I know a few friends like this. And again, it's kind of, what's changed? What are the rules now? I mean, one of yeah. them was saying to me, oh, apparently it's the third date that you might, you know, really, have sex. Yeah. But I mean, I just wonder, any advice for people in that situation Mm. where they're coming out of something Mm. maybe long term and yeah getting back to you know dating again
1: oh yeah and it's it's hard and I meet people in the same situation and it kind of depends on what happened in their relationship and how it ended and you know some people could jump in before they're ready even and it's no harm to just even take some time out for yourself to reconnect with You know, because I often, you know, meet people who might have had a marriage or relationship and it kind of maybe was sexless or the sexual part of them was neglected or whatever word you want to use for ages. Um, You know, it's no harm to spend some time just reconnecting with that yourself, you know, whether it be, again, through like self-pleasure or or whatnot, Um, like feeling sexy again, feeling wanted and feeling desired. Um, You know, you mentioned even rules. This is why I'm not a dating coach because it's just there are people who are just dating coaches and that's what they specialize in. Um, I'm just so anti like game playing and these kind of, again, arbitrary rules. I've heard like the third date thing I think has been around for yeah. a while now. If you want to have sex on the first date, like and you feel comfortable and that's what you want to do, do that. If you want to wait till you're three months in, whatever it is, it's really, again, learning to trust yourself um have that compassion for yourself as well. Um, you know, sometimes uh women will say to me, Oh, you know, sure, I'm after having sex with them now on the second I was date just and
2: say that, sure, you shouldn't beat yourself up no. if you want to have sex no. with that person and yeah. you're attracted. Sure, whose business is it? None yeah.
1: of Yeah. Absolutely. And some some relationships might end up being just a nice, casual, sexual, respectful, like, you know, when we say casual, I think there's this Sometimes it gives people free reign to just be a bit of a dick, to be honest, like be, you know, unkind or yes, yeah. which is not casual doesn't mean disrespectful. It just means that maybe there's not a committed emotional relationship there.
2: One really quick thing, yeah. like young boys and porn and the expectations. Mm. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. I'd say a lot of people would be saying, you know, I mean, it's it's reckless, isn't it? Yeah. Like From a young age, mm, mm-hmm. they're watching really yeah. hard porn yeah, hard and then porn they're stuff, expecting yeah. that yeah. that's what sex is
1: supposed to be like yeah. oh it's such a tricky topic it's such an emotive topic there's a lot of um fear understandably around it and i absolutely get that and at times i feel also very concerned but i suppose i just try and kind of not buy into because there's a real moral panic as well around it it's really sensationalized in some media outlets where it's all about porn addiction addiction to this addiction to that and yeah it's i won't i won't even go down that route now but it's not as simple as just getting a, addicted to it but anyway um but like the influence of it absolutely is something we need to talk about um i would say porn isn't going anywhere it's only going to get more advanced we're going to have ai porn we're going to have virtual reality porn it's just the nature of technology that's where it's going so i i really don't think the answer is like trying to ban porn or stop ch- or stop young people at all from seeing it, because I think they, they're more tech-savvy than us. Like, you know, and there's a curiosity. It's not that they're like, I'm really into this stuff. It's more that, like, they're curious. They're sexually developing. So I think, really, the key is, again, and I know I keep mm-hmm. saying, but the sex education, have the antidote to it. Like, have the, um you know, if, if they're watching yeah, again, porn, that can be really aggressive. We need sex education from a young age saying that this is not what sex looks like for a lot of people. If there's ever aggression during sex, it is between consenting adults who, you know, might have different fantasies or kinks, but know how to navigate it safely with lots of communication. And like that takes years to even learn to do that. That's not something suddenly at 18, you suddenly know how to navigate all of that. So... It's that educational piece that's so important. Like, I cannot say it enough. And there's so there's people who very much oppose what I do. And they say that I'm sexualizing children by delivering sex education. And it's so frustrating because I'm actually doing more to prevent things like grooming and prevent things like being influenced by porn than they are. They just want to ban everything head in the sand. it's never going to work. Like, look at what happens when you ban, ban alcohol or anything. Like, it, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so we just need to stay on top of the communication, the education, not shaming them if they do look up stuff. You know, if it comes up on your computer or whatever, um, shame will mean they will not go back to you next time or if they have an issue or they have a problem. You know, we need to be, even if it does shock us, we need to be safe people for young people to come to. Um yeah because it's otherwise they just retreat more into watching stuff and yeah. you know, towards the wrong kind of people mm-hmm. as well
0: and yeah. also just to mention your book again because yes I, well, i'm more for i suppose for the teens and young young yeah. adults mm-hmm. um for that sort of age group but mm. it, again it's a fantastic accessible book it's Thank modern you. looking as well it's great fabulous graphics. isn't it the, the, the I think illustrations young people, are gorgeous they love it so yeah. also to, to look up your book i think that'd be a great resource
1: for, yes and the book is um, sex educated i know you mentioned it already and it's uh, uh i think the illustrations are lovely in it in that they're not yeah. really medical and clinical they're actually just really inclusive and, yeah. and the clitoris is there oh my oh. god in the actual yeah. female anatomy which is where it's not in biology books like you oh, know so it's been again it's bananas um so, yeah, the, the book is there. You can buy it on uh, sexualhealthwest.com or if you just go to my website, com, there is a link there as well. And um, it is for teens, but also for parents. And what I would say is actually, I have a lot of people in like their... actually all ages reading it just for themselves Mm. who are like i never got any sex education so i'm just reading it for myself you know people in their 40s 50s i I've someone in their 80s was reading it Mm. um you know i love that i just love that because it's never i i learned stuff while writing it so it's never too late to like just think about something differently and Yeah. yeah
0: Grace, I think listeners will definitely going to want to hear more from you. Um, you <laughs> are going to be um, back here in Tralee for a show. So with Laura Dowling, he's also been a, a great guest on the podcast. So oh, tell us yes, about that. Yes.
1: yes. So um, Laura Dowling is doing what she has. L- I love the name, uh, what she's called the Viva La Volva Tour. And we were in Galway last weekend and it was just Grey crack. And we're in Tralee, It's the Rose Hotel. It's uh make sure I get this right, Saturday twenty-seventh. Yeah, yes, six PM. Uh, I've 6 got PM. my t- tickets ready. I mean, even if you Google Viva La Volva Trily, it'll come up because there's there's <laughs> yes. no other there's nothing else <laughs> that would and come even, up. We've lots
2: of listeners in in Munster. So I mean, geez, I think it sounds like a brilliant night out. Yeah, and, and just so crack.
1: you know what it is, it's um so it's it's basically uh what what you get is you get dinner you get a dessert you get a prosecco you get a huge goodie bag genuinely there's so much stuff in this goodie bag and the goodie bag alone is worth 190 euro um and then you're getting like you're getting comedy and there's a bit of drag there's educational talks there's going to be stalls and stands there with different products it's just great crack like it's such a nice environment where it's very positive. It's very open. You're learning, you're genuinely learning from the speakers, but also you're having the crack, yeah. bit of dancing. out. Sure, um, I mean, it really, really brilliant. is. It's wait. it's it's 5 or 6 hours like if you're staying for the whole thing. So Yeah, and Laura's yeah. brilliant. Laura's fantastic yeah. and um she's bringing it uh, sounds like I'm tooting my own horn, but she's bringing a, g- a great no, she, group of women. toot your
0: <laughs> horn. We, <laughs> that's toot. what we want on the podcast. You, uh, absolutely. Yeah, so um,
1: she's bringing a few, like, brilliant women together in that, like, we're covering all different areas of, you know, uh, pelvic floor physio, a bit of menopause, sex, um, intimacy, just a bit of everything. And um,
2: yeah. I think it sounds yeah. like the bee's are Fantastic. Need to yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So do come along. And if anyone wants to find me, um grace alice.com is the quickest way to find me and then on instagram it's uh grace alice O'Shea. so those are the two ways usually people find me brilliant yeah, fantastic thank yeah. you that's that's thanks. been fantastic Camille, that was, it was thank, great. thanks, thanks so much, much. It was yeah. great and fun. very interesting <laughs>
0: Jesus i have been taking a lot we've of we've got it. some homework to do